Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of The Unspoken Conversation, a podcast with the goal of expanding the conversation of mental health, faith, community, and the arts. I'm your host, Jordan Burda. And I'm Joel Puttycomb. Wow. 99 episodes. I can hardly believe it. Whether you have been listening since day one or this is your first time tuning in, I appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope that this investment of time will lead to good results in your life. Today, we are going to continue the conversation. We started back in episode 88, where I interviewed Joel's brothers-in-law, Peter Rosner and Phil Johnston, about a personality profile entitled the Enneagram. And I remember this conversation because I kept on hearing about the Enneagram. And I'm like, what is this word? I didn't get it. I'm like, this is really weird. And then I remember one time I was talking to Phil Johnston, Joel's brother-in-law, and he started talking about the Enneagram. And there was a little bit of kind of a cursory interest, but I still wasn't quite sure. And so about a year ago, I got together with those guys and introduced the Enneagram and then we talked about their Enneagram types. And so if you haven't heard that episode, go back to episode 88. I think it's actually a really great conversation. And I'm not going to try to rehash that what was talked about there. But I remember saying in that episode that I wanted to come back to it and actually talk about where I am on the Enneagram and even hear from Joel and hear from others. And so we're going to do that today. It went from an intellectual exercise for me to actually being a transformational exercise for me. When I started my role at North Park Community Church, the team that I was working with actually brought someone in to do six hours of lecture and conversation on the Enneagram. And I had not really met these people before. Well, the one person on my team, I think we shook hands once before these conversations started. And going through this process of figuring out our Enneagram types has, I think, been one of the best team-building exercises I have ever been in in my career. And I think that something that I found interesting a year ago when I interviewed Phil and Peter has actually really changed my life in some really positive ways. And there are some cautions. Um, One thing I I would say, though, about the Enneagram is that it can really remind you of a lot of the negative things. It doesn't just talk about your strengths. It talks about your weaknesses. And so one thing I would say is that there needs to be some perspective to say that if you're seeing something that is not right in your life, to go into a depression about it would be a temptation for some and would be for me. And so I just caution you to make sure that you use the tool to help you move forward, not to get you stuck and get you upset about those things. The other thing I would say about that is don't try to type people with any of these personality tests and processes. It's really easy to say, okay, well, I see on the outside what you're doing. Therefore, that's what you are. But what I've realized with the Enneagram is that it's actually the, the behind the scenes of why 
you do what you do and why you say what you say is actually what the typing is really about. And so I could see two very similar people do two very similar things. They would have completely different personality types because even though their actions are the same, the reason why they do it and the approach to how they do it is different because of some of those internal workings that there's very few people in your life that I would, I would say that you would actually be able to find and that you would actually truly know those things, maybe a spouse, but even that it's, it's just not a good idea to type someone. It's also when you're looking at these types, these personality types, and there's nine of them, not everything will apply to you when reading and learning about a, a type. It, is not going to say everything correctly. And there's different ways to kind of find the most correct. And I remember when I was talking to Phil and Peter, I said, I think this is my number. I think this is my type. And then eight months later, when I was going through this Enneagram training, it actually cemented that that was actually the right number. I kind of made a guess. But going through hours of content about it and reading about it, listening to podcasts about it, I've come to the conclusion that that was actually correct. And I know some people have, have course corrected over the years and, and maybe I'll be like, you know, based on a different season, maybe that perspective will change, but I'm kind of journeying this for off and on for about a year. I, I feel like this is the number that I actually kind of identify the most with. And so Peter talked about his number being a four and Phil talked about his number being a seven. And we're not going to highlight all of these personality types. You can, and you can go back for a listing of what the nine are, but I do want to talk to Joel. And so I'm going to just ask a couple questions about you and your number and kind of your process and then we'll flip the script and Joel's going to ask me about mine and so why don't you share a little bit of how you were introduced to the Enneagram yeah um I think it was probably around like Christmas time or uh, it was a family holiday where we, we all kind of got together at my parents place and uh I don't know if it was Peter or Phil one of the two actually brought up like hey we we just heard about this thing called Enneagram um uh no it kind of explained it a bit to us and we all just kind of took turns like going through the questions and and uh you can find um quizzes online to help you narrow it down a bit there's not always the best way to to figure out what type you are because it's better to actually go through each um type and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are um and whichever one you relate to the most is usually the one that you are um but yeah we, we went through the questions and um that yeah, we just kind of talked about it that way and figure out what we are. And uh, at the time, I think I felt like I'm like, I really want to be a four, which is like uh, very artsy and knowing about your feelings and that sort of thing. So a lot of my uh, artistic influences and stuff would, would be um, considered four. So I'm like, I think I'm a four. And I took the test like with that in mind. So I ended up like change, like forcing my answers to, to match that. So I ended up with a four. I think I took the test like three times and I got different answers each one till I got the four that I wanted and then uh, I ended up revisiting it later on and uh, after it was um, I had a better understanding of what the Enneagram was and what each uh, type actually meant I went oh I'm actually a two. 
Okay. And so tell me about the two. Two is known as the helper, which basically means I'm I'm very willing to go out of my way to help other people, which I think very much encapsulates um, what I am and who I am. Uh, I've, I just have this passion for helping other people as much as I can. Um, kind of no matter what context it is, um, whether it's like at work, like I'll kind of, uh, if someone needs a hand with work that's not even my own work, I'll, I'll give them a hand with it because I know that I can help them with that. And I, I want to, a lot of it is just like kind of a pride thing where like I want to, I want people to appreciate me for the things I do, um, which isn't always great because then it can, by doing things, they're not appreciating me for who I am. It's all about just uh, helping others and uh, quite often putting others above yourself, whether for the better or not. Quite often I will end up um, going out of my way to help people. Meanwhile, I can be struggling a great deal internally, um, whether with my mental health or my physical health or um, uh, also another issue is just saying yes all the time. And um, so I can get so busy helping other people with their work that I forget to do my own uh, or don't prioritize myself over helping other people. Uh, so that kind of in a, in a nutshell is what a two is it's just a, a helper someone who's um you know will just go above and beyond for other people and especially those he uh person will care about friends and family uh we'll kind of do everything we can to to help them and lift them up which also includes um on a very emotional and personal level where i find also kind of a flaw with myself as well is um I feel like I can. I know a person better than they know themselves at times, uh, and quite often I'm I'm fairly accurate with it. But uh, that's still maybe not the best way to go about making friends. I, as a two, I, I like to get into personal conversations with people, uh, really dig deep. So I, I don't want the surface level conversation, like oh, how's the weather? How's your drive up? I'm like, great. Uh, so how 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 are you feeling right now? What what's um what kind of emotions are you going through? And 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 talking about uh, real life stuff and like. Hey, how's your mental health doing right now? How how is uh how are you doing with 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 school this year? And like um, emotionally, how how are you taking it? Going into a lot deeper questions and and having a more personal relationship with a few people instead of just getting to know a bunch on surface level. I I much rather get to know the heart of somebody, and um, often feeling like I should know that or that I do know that without actually talking to a person. So there's good and bads in that, and um, as with any of the Enneagram stuff, there's, there's the pros and the cons, and um, the stuff you really excel at, and the stuff you feel like you should excel at that you don't, or things you do excel at that aren't necessarily a positive thing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I am. I'm also a um, a wing one, uh, just a bit of a perfectionist, so I, I really like to, um, when I help someone, I ha- like to help them to the very best that I can. Can you help oh, yeah. us understand what a wing is, kind of as we're as we're starting this? Yeah. Uh, so a wing would be. So if I'm a two, there's a one and a three on either side of it. So I can lean either in that in one of those directions. It's just kind of like a side personality trait that you can have. So you'll as a two, the two numbers beside you on each side are one and three, hmm. and so typically people will fall into a category of having more one qualities and maybe others might have more three qualities yeah so so a person might have more of the perfectionist and the more um uh properly probably a line probably not the right phrase but very like protocol and very like a set rules that sort of thing or a three which is the achiever um 
might like to try and get ahead and like really excel at something. Um, then there's yeah certain typings that like a one wing three might be a uh, really good at hosting something because they're really helpful, but they also like to or they they can um, change their personality slightly to affect, uh, to fit in better with a certain group, which is can be both a wonderful quality and a bad one. But uh, yeah, so a, a wing is just kind of an additional uh, you, you take on additional characteristics of the one of the two groups that are on either side of, of your number as far as i can tell i'm a wing one um i do find uh, the wing three tendencies at time and times um but uh definitely a wing one where I, I like to if i'm going to help someone i want to be as good as possible you don't want it to just look like you're helping someone yes i want it, yeah. i want it to be like no one has ever helped you better than I have, <laughs> and yeah, everything fits into a neat little box. And uh, I'm gonna, like, if you need helping, like um, organizing your place, I'm going to make sure all the labels are like facing out, and everything is like nice and clean and and really well well kept. Which again can be a really great thing. Also, really hinder a lot of time for sure. And I think off. one of the fun things you know about getting to know Joel is that this really does live out and but i've seen some greater health in him in the last couple years that he's learned a bit better you've learned a bit better to self-care yes and to say you know what i i yep i can do that but not for another couple weeks Mm -hmm. and because and I think the culture of immediacy is really hard for a two, because there's the tyranny of the urgent, and that can really cause a problem. And I feel the same way as well. And we'll get kind of into my number in a little bit, but it is worth pointing out that just because you can do it, number one doesn't mean you have to, but number two doesn't mean even if you're going to do it, that doesn't mean you have to do it now. Um. Yeah, if there's someone bleeding on the side of the road and that's about to get hit hit by a second transport truck, okay, pull them off the road now, fine. But there's other things that doesn't have to be right now mm-hmm. that it can actually be done better if you wait. Yeah, and, and that's kind of one of those areas I definitely struggle in. I'm still trying to work through and, and get better at, but um, I feel like just realizing that um, that's an area I struggle with, which, you know, finding out my Enneagram type really helped with that. And just seeing like, oh, there's a whole group of people who struggle with this and are just yes men who, who will say yes because like before we even like consider what the, the ask is, we just say yes because we want to help. Yeah, I do that all the time at work with friends, kind of whatever it is, people on the side of the road who like, hey, can you, hit, can you talk, talk for me? I'm like, I'm actually in a hurry to go catch this bus, but... Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> I have a few minutes to talk. Why not? Yeah, sometimes it's really wonderful. Other times it's uh, like, oh, I should not have done this, or I'm reaching burnout really quickly now because I, I've said yes to too many things, and I don't feel like I can say no at this point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, there's a lot of stress points with that one, where it's just like um, that time is just always a factor, and and uh, exhaustion levels, especially as as an introvert, like. You know, there's a, I forget who says it, there, there's a spoon theory where you have so many spoons in a day and everything you do takes up one spoon. 
and um, by the end of the day, you either have spoons left or you owe spoons. It's really it's an interesting like way to look at it. Basically, it's, it's saying like you have so much energy in a day, and everything you do as an introvert takes off a little bit of that the energy level. And uh, once you hit zero, you're exhausted, but you can keep going past that, and then that's going to affect you for the next day. So I I was as a two saying yes to a lot of things and giving away all of my spoons and um then starting to borrow tomorrow's and boring tomorrow's and boring the next days and before i knew it i was completely burnt out and needed like a week to to reset because i had just burned through too much i feel like with with a lot of people's and with people in general but like uh, i find out with a lot of twos especially that we're very quick to go through that and we do need to learn and enough about ourselves we can say like, okay i need to actually say no to this thing so that I have more energy to do all the other things. Quite often people are very understanding of that. So it's just a matter of us getting past our own um, our own pride sometimes and, and our own uh, fallacies to, to actually get through that. Yeah, that's really good. And I do want to just take a second and reflect on this idea of the, the about urgency, the tyranny of the urgent. Because I have seen that destroy businesses. I've seen that destroy families and I've seen that destroy lives because you feel like you need it now or it's just you let something wait until it's an emergency so you never plan ahead. And we'll get into why as my number it makes perfect sense that I'm making that comment. <laughs> but what I, one of the things I've learned is that I'll actually think about how many spoons I'm going to be giving away that day. And so I might I might keep a couple extra from the day before. And kind of help that process along. Because as soon as I get into the tyranny of the urgent, as soon as I let other people's priorities take me over, the work I do for them isn't going to be as good. The work that I'm going to need to... Like my own priorities are going to suffer. And my own soul is going to suffer because I'm not putting things in the in the right place and giving it the right priority and so that I think that's a really good and powerful thing that even if you are like yeah you want to do it right and you want to serve other people so you actually have to balance your life properly in order to make sure that the best things get the best attention I took an online course about time management from a guy named Kerry Newhoff and he talks about how you should actually give the best energy of your day to your strengths which makes sense like that's that makes a lot of sense to me but i've actually heard people say that you should give the best time to your weaknesses which i don't like and he points that out it's like uh why like the, the problem there is if you are always leaning into your weaknesses and you're giving it your best hours you're actually draining yourself because you end up spending more time on the things you're not as good at. Mm-hmm. It's better to actually align yourself and give your best energy to the things that you do best. And so to employers out there, to self-employed people out there, to leaders, it's really important to know your best times of the day, the best context to do things. Carrie also taught, like, and, and I've kind of learned this idea that just because a conversation is good to have and important to have, doesn't mean that you have to do it in a certain like 
that every method is okay. There are some things that I'll text Joel about. There's other things that I'll randomly show up at his office to talk about. And those are calculated decisions based on what the conversation actually requires or what I'm looking for out of it or what I'm willing to give to it. There's actually kind of a really important important thing. So that that's a good a good thing for, for your health, Joel, and, and that's been really cool to kind of watch that get a lot better because I know that you out of your good hearts could end up really harming yourself a lot more. And so good for you for kind of doing that and keeping that, that progressing in the right direction. Um, now the last thing I want to talk about with the twos is that every number has a stress point and a heart point, meaning a different number on the Enneagram that when you're at your best, you start looking at, you start to portray some of the best qualities of a number. And then the stress point would be if you are in an unhealthy place, an unhealthy situation, you might start to show the worst qualities of a different number. Mm -hmm. And it kind of forms a different trial triangle within this, within this Enneagram diagram. So why don't we start with the stress point? What, where do you go? What number and what negative characteristics of that number do you go to in a moment of stress or unhealth? The stress point, I go into an eight where I get very abrasive and abrupt and can be a little overpowering for some people. I find this when I'm uh, quite often if I'm late for something where I, I tend to not worry too much about time. If I'm late for something, I'm late for something. There are certain things, though, where it's like I need to get to this place by this time. Because um, I either said said so to a certain person or um, sometimes even like I need to like get to this movie for this time. If I'm a little extra stressed, that can really come out. And especially if I'm with somebody, then my answers become very curt. They become very like short and very um, straight to the point. And I don't have as much of a filter at that point. Um, which is not good for someone like me. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I can become a very uh, abrasive. And I, become, I get those kind of characteristics of the eight, which is the challenger. So I become very challenging. My fur will like stand up a little bit. I'll be ready to, to pounce. Now, like looking back and like actually having a, you know, I'm a two. I was like, eight makes a lot of sense as my stress point. Even just looking back to like my childhood and, um, you know, in the mornings when I'm, not awake and i'm not a morning person that eight side of me would come out towards my mom she's asking me questions and trying to like get me to engage and i just did not want to um i've become very uh distant but also just very um short with everything like hey i i don't want to talk about this i'm too nice or too polite to say anything about it so i'm just going to be very like base answers and um basically just meet that quota of politeness while still being very aggressive with it um so it's not not always the best thing (laughs) yep i don't really have too much to say about that (laughs) but what i will say is i haven't really experienced that from you too much it doesn't come out very often um which is i'm very thankful for it's a very good thing (laughs) it's it's not not a pleasant thing when when i'm in that that uh that place 
and um yeah those characteristics and come out and uh while you can um nines can be incredibly wonderful people and very very helpful um especially for certain roles in in like ministry or in, in a corporate world or whatever but uh just at working with a friend when it comes up as a stressor and you just get the kind of a negative parts of it it's it's not not a pretty thing yeah. so your heart point would be four yes okay so tell me about and that because that's actually the the type you thought you were and you want it yes. to be and so what you're telling me is that actually when you're operating at your best you are actually in the spot where you originally wanted to be mm-hmm. so tell me a bit about that because i think that's actually a super cool thing yeah so um the four is uh, the inv- individualist or um, the romantic type is kind of like the other very names Peter. get. Very, very Peter. Yeah. It is my brother to my brother-in-law to a T. He is basically the epitome of a four. Um, will, you know, sit in a corner with a book and in like the coziest of clothes and slippers and just be. Um, oh, wait, he's here. <laughs> I didn't see. Didn't, didn't even know. It's just in the corner. Didn't see him, man. Just... <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a, a really interesting type. Um, they're very uh, sensitive and introspective, and I feel like um, when I'm at my best is is when those parts come out of me, where I uh, I'm able to to really dive into myself and be very self aware and as a two who's someone who's always trying to help other people, I can forget about myself. So when I'm not doing great, I completely, um, or I'm, I'm in stress or just like not doing well emotionally or spiritually, I can leave out that part. But when I'm doing really well, I'm very introspective. I'm very self-aware of my feelings and um, who I am as a person and can uh, help me to get away from those uh, two characteristics that are the negative parts the the putting myself below everyone else and just focusing on others and burning myself out so when that that four comes out i'm able to to sit and be more of me i guess and, and um not worry as much about the others and take that time to to recharge and to um just be aware of what i'm able to handle and what i'm not and be able to say yes and be able to say no all at the same time uh, in the kind of best way possible. That's good. And Very it's really cool fours. how the Enneagram, it's not just you have a type and then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's very much conf- like help. They all help each other. They all interact yeah. with each other in a different way. And I find that to be a, a very fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to see how you actually go into these things in health or unhealth and some now one thing that we're not going to talk about today is how different types interact with each other so i've done some reading on like how to work with an employer based on what your number is and what their number is or how to how to live healthfully with with a spouse and that actually gets to be some really interesting conversations because you can actually start to see the blind spots but you can also see how you can actually get their heart and that could become manipulative that could become negative but i think on the on the other hand i've had someone that is in leadership over me knowing my type and knowing who i am has actually led me better now than before when we didn't really know each other and this is a fairly new relationship 
But because we went through this journey together, it's like we became faster friends. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of a cool kind of a cool thing to be able to journey through some of that. All right, Jordan. Well, we've heard from me and, and my type is. Um, let's let's turn this and, and look at you. Um, you've already answered um, first question is just how uh, how you're introduced to the Enneagram types. Um, but what is your number? So my number would be six, and that would be kind of termed as the loyalist. And reading some of that is actually kind of an interesting thing for me. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. But kind of as I've journeyed through this. I've really understood why I do what I do. And I think that's one of the reasons why this has been so powerful for me is because I've been pretty self-aware in terms of what I'm doing and what effect it's having, but I maybe wasn't as great in terms of why. What's the motivation behind that? And I would find myself getting into a point where I would apologize a lot. But now that I know the why... I can correct early and not do the thing that I feel like I need to apologize for. So like it's kind of a better, a better trajectory. And the other thing too, that was interesting about the sixes is it is very fear based and anxiety based, which if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that that's where, where I'm at and I've dealt with um, anxiety for years. And so working through and understanding that a lot of this is out of a fear or an insecurity about something is kind of sobering, but some really great and beautiful things can come out of that. So I think one of the reasons that quality time is so important to me is because might have started out being born out of a fear that you know I'll be deserted or that a friend won't be won't be a friend for life and so I want to get the best I can get out of with them out of them but at the same time we're having a beautiful conversation and leaning into that for all the right reasons could actually be a very good thing and out of being loyal to someone you can actually bring something to someone's life Um, The other thing about a six in kind of in that realm of trying to be, you know, protective and all of that is that a six makes sure that they're prepared. And so one of the things, so for example, I had heard a statistic early on when I was developing this podcast that podcasts only last seven episodes on average. Podcasts pop up all the time. Then after seven episodes, the creators give up because... They weren't prepared. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. So we didn't launch the podcast until I had recorded at least 20 to make sure that we didn't ever get to that point that I wasn't going to be able to actually fulfill the dream that I had because I was loyal to it. I, I wanted it to work. And so I was prepared. And so that's kind of an interesting feature of trying to figure that out. And when there's a good future ahead and I feel equipped to be able to actually do that thing or to be in that relationship, it's great and it's empowering. But if it's not going so well, 
Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> it it may not be so beautiful. Yeah, I have a lot of sixes in my life. Uh, friends, a lot of people I work with, and they're all just wonderful people. Uh, just the the coming overly prepared. Um, well, I know it can be a huge stressor for um, for people who who are, are sixes. And man, like they're the people you want around when you, when you're planning something or you're getting ready for a trip or someone you know at, at the office we have um one of our like head admin people are are six and they are the most prepared the most ready all the time loveliest of people and um well i know their anxiety will go up when they're trying to get ready for something so they're looking at all of the possible possibilities and outcomes right. um they're ready for all of them and uh, i think that's just a wonderful uh ability to have where yeah i i can only look a few steps ahead and they're, they're looking like 30 or 40 that i couldn't even think of i'm like yeah oh, that's a that's a great great uh great quality to have in, in a person yeah and in trying to for me you know you're making a decision do we do this or do we do this there's a part of me that's like thinking like four decisions in the future mm-hmm. if i do this is it going to force me to do this later or to force me to make this choice later yeah. there are some decisions that i'm working through right now related to six months from now that it's bugging me i are i don't already have it set up mm-hmm. it's six months from now <laughs> it'll be okay and i'm counseling myself right now jordan it will be okay. Mm-hmm. Six months from now, we'll come and, you know, that's, that's, that's okay. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be fine. What's interesting about this, though, is that I learned something that each number has a part of the body that it's affiliated with. Yes. And so the twos, threes, and fours are in, in many ways guided by their heart. The five, six, and sevens are guided by their head. Eight, nine, ones are guided by their gut. And if you would ask me a couple years ago, where are you on that kind of spectrum, head, heart, or gut? I would have thought that I was a heart thinker. I, I was I was a feeler that I did what felt right. And I would even use that language. I It feels right. Or if I would you know, get really angry. I would feel like, oh man, I just, I can't let go that it just got to come out of my gut. But as I've processed this more, I've actually realized it's all in the head is that this need for preparation, this anxiety, though there are feelings to it, it's primarily guided by thinking, strategic thinking. Mm -hmm. I have a whiteboard in my office for a reason so that I can plan making plans. Like I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, there's 10 meetings I need to schedule. So when am I going to do that? Like (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at. And this is all, this is like very little spontaneity in the schedule comes up. Like I've gotten better at making room for that. But, and I know right now, because I'm traveling a lot, it's a bit harder to be spontaneous, but it's also not really my 
my gift set anyways. I'm already thinking, I'm like, okay, I have a, a multi-hour period tomorrow. And I have these five things that need to get done. Which one, which task is best suited for that time period? And because that's kind of where my, where my head goes. Mm-hmm. I'm far less worried about this week than I am six months from now. Yeah. And already planned out all the stuff for this week. So it's ready to go. This week's already <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> this week happened a while ago. And sometimes though, on the negative side of that is it feels like I'm just going through the motions because mm-hmm. I feel like I've experienced the event before it happened. So I'm planning, I'm as a worship leader, I'm planning a set list or I'm preparing a sermon. I enjoy prepping the list or kind of rehearsing the sermon a little bit more than I actually enjoy doing it because when I'm doing it, it almost feels old hat to me. It's like, I've already done that. Like this service, this event has already happened and it hasn't happened yet. It was just the rehearsal. It was just the thinking about every single thing, even the way I dress for different tasks. I am intentional like that. That's just, because I don't want to mess it up. That's totally who I am. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of funny to think, to realize that because I would have thought that I was very emotionally guided, but I'm actually very thought guided. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of relates to something else that I've been processing over the last little while. And it's that I had, I was talking to somebody and they said something to me that just struck me as wrong right away. But even in the light of thinking about this, it actually is definitely wrong. And I understand this. This person said, we were talking about something, and they said, I am not an emotional person. Um, No. That, no, that's not true. We all have emotions. The question is not, do I have emotions? The question is, do I notice them? And do I handle them well? We all have emotions, just like we all have thoughts. And yeah, one might, it might come out a little more. Like my thinking might be more prominent than my emotions. But that doesn't mean the emotions are not there. It just means I process them differently. And when when this person was talking to me about saying, I am not an emotional person, it was because they were comparing themselves to someone that was a lot more emotionally expressive oh, well, this person is crying a lot. I don't cry very much. Therefore, I'm not an emotional person. No, the emotions are there. You're just dealing with them differently. I'm not a crier. I don't have these outbursts very often. Once in a while, because we all have our moments. But for me, processing is more about thinking about it, is more about trying to fit it into a neat little box and put it up on the shelf and nope, don't move it. (laughs) Right? Like that's where I'm at where some people, you know, you hear the phrase like wear their heart on their sleeve where their emotions are expressed in, in that kind of way in more of a heart way. And so that, that realizing that we are all emotional people. Mm Mm-hmm. The question is not, are we emotional? The question is, what are we doing with it? 
how, how aware are we of our emotions yeah. and how how do we act on them and to me is i always want to make my emotions subjective or subjected to my facts and i try to bring that under alignment and say i'm feeling this right now but it doesn't make any sense so i will like seek out people to help me logic my way out of my feelings sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't but that but i've realized in all of this that i'm a very head centric person yeah and i find too with a lot of the the sixes i know they're really good at obviously thinking ahead and they, they they've for any situation they've they've looked at it 100 different ways and they know the 30 best ways to do it and out of those 30 they know that these top 3 will are the will have the best results um and we were saying earlier, like there's different interactions with, with different types. One of the ones I've just noticed at work is like an eight and a six can work really well together because the sixes will have all of those um, options maybe narrowed down to like three, but maybe you're having a hard time picking which one is the best because they're all have pros and cons to each, but they will just come in and be like, gut decision, that one's the best out of those three, and then it's done. Yeah. So like there's some really inter- cool interactions about those, and I would encourage people to... Um, once you find out your Enneagram, see how you interact with each different types and uh, just kind of the best ways to go about it because, um, yeah, and knowing a person's Enneagram is is, is great, um, even just to, like, know the personality, but then knowing how um, to best work with them is, is yeah. a great tool. Yeah, I've, I've, I've worked four eights, and I've seen that manifest where I'm like, I'm humming and hawing on a decision. There's actually one right now that I'm rehearsing in my head talking to my supervisor about it's like i don't i'm not quite convinced which one is the right one even though there isn't necessarily a right one and that's one thing that i need to learn that there isn't necessarily a right answer the other thing too is that i was having this conversation with somebody just yesterday and i made the comment and, and I, this just kind of came to me that people used to say I was very impulsive, that I came off very impulsive and that a decision, okay, the decision is made. It is what it is, what it is. The reality is that if I'm not in particularly a collaborative mood, I will stew on it, not tell anyone. And then like a year later when I made the decision, I am so committed to that decision. I'm just going to plow right through and just going to do it. And someone's like, man, that was impulsive. You just made that decision. I'm like, hey, if you look at my calendar, I was thinking about this like six months ago. And so it seems impulsive. It seems like it's just happening. But there's the nights of obsessive awakeness in bed will prove to you that very little is impulsive with me. But it's funny how... If somebody doesn't know your number, it's harder to see that. You might think that that person is just, or that person is just shooting everything down. I was working with a team once, and I loved the idea that was being put forward, but my head got in the details, and I'm like, so I started asking a bunch of questions and trying to help understand, try to make sure that we saw the the blind the, the blind spots. And at some point in the conversation, somebody else a three, I think, asked me, 
so do you not like this idea? I'm like, no. I, if you didn't suggest this thing, I was going to. I love this idea. And I love this idea enough to pick it apart and make sure that it's right and it's going to work. And so what I've had to learn to do with my team is to share that with somebody so that they don't feel like I'm just, I'm taking forever to decide or that like there's no movement and then all of a sudden there's a big implementation. You know, all those different things I've learned I've had to communicate with people to say, okay, this is what's going on. This is why. And kind of always putting the why in front of someone. Because I'm like, they said, because they said, yeah, it really feels like you shoot down a lot of my ideas. I'm like, no, I'm not. Actually, the ones that you think I'm shooting down are actually the ones I like the most. So my head goes to how do we implement? Right? You have this idea in six months when it's happened, what is it going to look like? And what effect is it going to have? So it's kind of, having to know that to be a better leader and to be a better team member, I've had to kind of work through how I verbalize some of, uh, some of that thinking. I think that's just the wonderful thing about the Enneagrams is knowing where your strengths are, but then also knowing where your shortcomings are. So you're able to correct and and best work with others and that for that, um, to get better results. Speaking of interacting, uh, (laughs) How do you interact with your with your wings? Do you, do you know what your wing is? Yeah, I would tend to think that I'd be a wing five investigator because I think I've made the point that I'm constantly pushing, like drilling down to make sure that it works and that I understand exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm always asking questions as to what's, you know, what's happening. And, and so I would, I would say a wing five, a wing seven, also, the fact that I'm an introvert, so introverts, like a five would be a more introverted type as well. A seven is really great for starting things and and in and that. But and so there have been seasons where I've kind of pulled out some seven tendencies. But I would definitely wing five in most in most cases. Yeah, I I would probably say that of you as well. It, it just seems that uh, I find with a lot of fives they're they, they find a thing they really like, a uh, subject especially, and research it to no end. And I think you've done that a lot with, with, um, with this whole um, unspoken conversation uh, area and, and topics and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I would just, just knowing, knowing you and knowing so much about you, I'd say that, and I do it really well. Um, what about uh, stress point? So, yeah, so this is interesting that the six goes to three in stress. And what's so one of the negative parts of a three is even if like if it's it's known as the achiever or the performer. And so it's kind of one or the other. And so I find that as a six, because I want the loyalty and the approval and the acceptance of the people around me, I will tend to, if I'm in an unhealthy place, use performance to get that approval and acceptance and that. So in other seasons of my life, I would try to, that kind of manifests in like, 
it makes I try to make things look better than they are. Not in an exaggerated or like dishonest kind of way, but more like I just don't want to show the flaws. I don't want to show the the problems. If I feel like someone's being critical, I might be a little bit try to put like a nicer bow on it. And again, not out of trying to deceive, but just out of trying to make sure that the perception is right. And that someone understands how hard I'm working on this. And, you know, when someone says, well, you clearly haven't thought about this. I'm like, no, <laughs> I have thought about this. I'm m- more well-researched than whatever about about that. And so that's kind of where it comes out in a bit of a negative way. Another way is that I've overworked to impress in different seasons. But that's always come at the loss of something else. I've actually been mistyped as a three. Because in my early leadership, it seemed like I was showing a lot of the three tendencies. What I've realized is it's because I was in an unhealthy place that that achiever, performer, go-getter seemed to be who I was. And I was a lot more impulsive and I was a lot more expressive in some maybe some of the not so good ways. So I was mistyped as a three in that season, which is actually kind of an interesting thing how that how that interacts yeah i've had a few other friends get um who are sixes get mistyped as a three or nine depending on where they're at but um yeah what about uh heart points so the heart point is the nine no that that'd be why (laughs) yes and so living out the best qualities of a nine i think what's interesting is i looked up ideal careers for each type and I actually resonate more with the nine careers than I do the six careers. So I'm currently working as a pastor. That is list like that was a recommended career for a nine. So when I'm at my best, I'm actually going to be a really, I would hope, effective pastor. And that when I go to that nine, I can use that analytical ability and include people in it to help come up with a better solution. I'm, I'm more collaborative in that. And, you know, as long as the right decision is made, I don't necessarily have to be the one to make it. I'll bring up ideas and say, okay, well, I've thought about these four things. What say you, right? Like what, where can we kind of pass this ball along? Or if there's a disagreement on a team or a disagreement in a relationship, a nine has the ability to see every different perspective. And so there have been times where I've been able to help be a peacemaker and resolve a conflict because I could actually see both sides. And because I've analyzed both sides and I deeply understand both sides, have been able to help find kind of that middle ground and be able to kind of work with people through whatever that whatever that issue might be and so i i've i feel i can even think of some examples where there were, again there was a conflict and it's like there was someone felt like they were being bogged down by someone else at work 
they they weren't getting things as fast as they wanted them and they they person was a three they wanted to be allowed to do things and to get certain things done and I just remember sitting and I and I kind of said to that person I'm like well here's what this person does and this is how they can add to us and this is how the the final product is actually going to be better if you wait and let them do their job instead of trying to do their job for them and so that was kind of one way to kind of help bridge the gap. And the two people weren't even in the room. I was just talking to the one side of the, the disagreement. And I, my head immediately went to, and partially out of loyalty, like, like I like the other person and appreciate the other person and can see where the other person is really strong. So then, you know, I kind of want to advocate for that. And so that's kind of where I see some of the positive yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I find Enneagrams to be just so fascinating and so helpful and just knowing more about yourself and, and knowing more about others so you can work better with them. And um, yeah, it's just a really wonderful system to go about this. There are times when pretty much like any test, like even the um, like the love languages one, if people are focused too much on the test itself, then you can lose sight of the why um which is yeah with, with any kind of personality test or any of those sort of things um we need to not focus as much on like well i'm a two so therefore it's this it's like no the two defines my personality not my personality is defined by the, the right the number yeah and that's where i've really benefited from this you don't use your number as an excuse mm-hmm just it's it's actually more looking back and saying i did this why did i do this oh man that is a very six that's a conversation that goes on in my head all the time that's a very six thing to to do or a very six thing to say whether or not that's good or not is not even the question it's acknowledging that that's maybe the root of it and we've talked about this on the show very very often how important the root system beneath the tree is, is that, and if you understand the roots and you water the roots, the tree is going to grow quite successfully as opposed to if you don't tend to the roots and you don't water it and you don't take care of it, then, then it's going to fall on my car. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about in <laughs> an earlier episode. So we've got to you know, be, be pretty careful about that. Now, Joel, I just want to say kind of at the end of this part of the conversation, You've been with us from pretty close to the beginning. And I want to thank you for your spirit of being willing to help, your ability to just have good conversations that comes actually from that deeply artistic and creative spirit. This program wouldn't be the same without you. So thanks, Joel. Thank you. Thanks for having me and having a place to to talk about this kind of stuff. It's so important to me and uh, yeah, it's great to have it. And thank you listeners for joining today's conversation. For more information and further episodes, join us on Facebook, iTunes, or the unspokenconversation.ca.